Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. And when the Holy Spirit's come, he will convict the world of sin. That's the first thing that you're going to find the Holy Spirit doing in an individual's life, in our life. And when a person rejects that call of the Holy Spirit, they're still lost and dead in their sins. The second thing, it says, of righteousness. He will reveal to us what righteousness is. Isn't that great? It isn't determined by Hollywood or it isn't determined by our society, but that God tells us when we're right. The whole world may even say you're wrong, but as long as you're in Christ, you're going to know you're right. You're doing what God's called you to do. So we have the Holy Spirit telling us what is, what is evil, convicting us of sin. Then we have the Holy Spirit telling us what is righteous. And notice the last part of this, and of judgment. Now judgment is pretty scary. And, and it should scare people if they're not born again, because that's what awaits a non-believer, is a judgment. You're going to give an account of all the things you've ever done. Now, one of two things. You're going to try to placate and try to represent, you're going to try to be the lawyer of your own sinful lifestyle before God someday, when God says, roll the tape. You know, it's kind of funny. I think we have a, a little bit different perspective of things uh, in our society today than they did even 100 years ago. Where the idea of us being, did you ever seen that in all the videos and all that stuff? How, how there's video cameras everywhere? And people, you know, you know they're going to break in a car and they're doing this. They get the pry bar out. And here they're on camera. I'm amazed. And I think, you know, 100, 200 years ago, God, the idea of everything that we do being recorded was kind of like kind of an obscure thought that how could that ever be? It's something as funky as man is. We've invented a way to record everything that we do. Imagine God's heavenly zoom in lens with 18 billion pixels. God has a way of recording all these things. There's a judgment that comes. Now, that should and could scare a person to death if they weren't born again. Now, if you're born again, your sins are forgiven. And that's so important, friends. We have multiple, uh, through the Bible, uh, it's replete. And replete means to replace what is there and even only more of, of God's examples of forgiveness in the Bible. That's why we need to understand what God's forgiveness is like. God picks us up right where we are and continues on with us. That's the great news about God. By the way, and I've shared this before, the other religions of the world will in some way offer you a way to get right with God. Go burn some incense sticks, say so many prayers, uh, uh, sell some flowers in airports, go knock on so many doors, and, and you just might make it. That's their idea. That's religion. But Jesus forgives us. We don't have to earn it. We know we're forgiven in him. And then we have a God bigger than the things we've done wrong. And God then rebuilds us. No religion in the world offers to their followers 
God's redemptive, rebuilding hand. It's always just, well, maybe you might be righteous enough to make it. God goes and says, hey, I'm not going to forgive you, but I'm going to restore you. I like that about God. You know, and what a, what a beautiful thing is when you've been restored by God. It is. You go out to these car shows and you see these restored cars and they're really all pretty and everyone goes, ooh, and ah. Oh, they didn't used to look like that, friends. They were a rusted heap sitting in a junkyard someplace. And somebody restored that. Well, God does that with us. And, you know, I, I look at that. that. That tells me a lot about the love of God for us in our lives, how he does that. Now, judgment is that part that can come under where God condemns us. Now, it's, the Bible says it's not that God condemns us. We condemn ourselves because we have lived apart from him. But when we come to Christ, God then makes a judgment in our favor. I like that. Do you know when you stand before a judge uh, and the judge looks at you and says, not guilty, that's a judgment. That's a good judgment. That, that's, a, that's a judgment saying, you didn't do it. Now, we know we did do it, but Jesus forgave us. And so that judgment, so there's judgment that will come in this life. So the Holy Spirit, first of all, convicts us of sin. Now, I think, again, friends, that is so important because if we reject the Holy Spirit, we're going to ultimately have rejected what what God has for us. And then God, the Holy Spirit talks about righteousness. He's the compeller to have us walk in righteousness. And the third thing of judgment. Now, if, if you're not a Christian, you, you, you stand and you will give an account of all your sins someday. If you are a Christian, God makes a judgment in your favor saying your sins are forgiven. And by the way, judgments are not always bad. A lot of times in the minute we hear the word judgment, we think of, of something saying, go to prison for 40 years. But, but you know what's really amazing you can get a call tomorrow and say, you know, you had a long lost uncle, Uncle Fred, and he died. And, and um, we want you to come down to the courthouse. There's been a judgment made. Okay, you walk in there. Yes, the judgment is made in your favor, and you inherit $5 million from his estate. That's a judgment. It was given to you. So judgments can be good. Judgments can be bad. It depends on your relationship with God. Have you been convicted of your sin? The second thing is, have you recognized your need for God's righteousness in your life? And to realize that God has made a judgment in your favor of eternal life. Or have you rejected the Holy Spirit? You don't know what righteousness is, and there's a pending judgment in heaven against you for all of eternity. That's why we need Jesus. You see, if you don't understand the need for the gift, you won't appreciate the gift. Again, we've talked about that many times before, but on Christmas, people always go to the store the next week returning what they didn't have. Why? They had no use for the gift. They didn't know their need. If you have no need for Christ, it's because we don't recognize our deplorable condition. So, he says to us, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Isn't that funny that Jesus would say that? You know what that tells me? There are times in our life we are more receptive to certain truths of God's word than others. Isn't that true? 
If you think about it for a minute, have you ever read something in the Bible and you scratch your head and go, what in the world does that mean? And then it won't be very long in your life. You'll go, oh, I get it. Now, I had this exact thing happen vividly in my mind. I've shared this many times, but it was to the point, and I remember I was in seventh grade. I was in a Sunday school class. I was leaning back in the chair, which, of course, they always tell you never to do. And I was leaning back, and I remember the Sunday school teacher was reading out of the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon says, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. For nothing, for nothing, all is for nothing. And I remember leaning back is clear. I can, I, I, I mean, almost uh, I can remember the clothes I was wearing. And I said, what kind of a saddest wrote this? Well, you know, it's funny. When you get older, you go, wow, I get it now. For nothing, for nothing, all is for nothing. When you realize as you get a little bit older, you realize you're going to die someday and everything you've ever done isn't going to matter on this earth concerning anything unless it was done for God. So why are we here? And this, I think, is the big question that haunts mankind. And so this is where the philosophies of life come in. You have the Epicureans that come along. Paul debated them in the book of Acts. The Epicurean said, life is for living. Epicurean delight. If it makes you feel good, do it. That's uh, been translated into our society today. We don't call it Epicureanism, but we call it, if it feels good, do it. And then there were the Stoics. This is the meaning of life. And by the way, these two groups of people would get together saying, no, life is about pleasure. And the other group, the Stoics would say, life is going to take its course and there's not a thing you can do about it. Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. There's nothing you can do about it. And these two groups would get together and try to figure out the meaning of life. Well, if life is for pleasure... If you did the pleasure long enough, it wouldn't be pleasure anymore. It would be normal. So then you have to look for a new thrill. The Stoics would say, whatever's going to be will be. If you're destined to get hit by a train, there's nothing you can do about it. I think there's a lot of things. I'd stay away from train tracks. But if they said... There's nothing you can do about getting hit by a train. The only thing you can really do is change the way you think about getting hit by a train. This is stoic philosophy. And and it's in our society today. There's nothing you can do about it. Whatever's going to be is going to be. You have the Epicureans that say, life is for living. uh, uh, Live life for the gusto, you know. But you know that anybody has done that finds that whatever you do, if it brings you pleasure, you do it long enough, it will leave you empty again and you'll be looking for something else. So this is the problem. God, Jesus comes along and says, I have come to give you life that more abundantly. The Holy Spirit will come along inside of you to convict you of sin, to remind you of what righteousness is, and to let you know you have a home in heaven waiting for you. I like that. That's what the Holy Spirit's going to do. Jesus said, there's a lot more things I got to tell you. But at this point, you're not able to receive them. Much like a seventh grader listening to the book of Ecclesiastes being read, when somebody says, 
for nothing, for nothing, all is for nothing. And it's seventh grade, life is for living. I, I didn't understand that. But as you get older, perspective begins to come in and you begin to realize, hey, we're all just a passing through. Paul says our lives are like a vapor. We're here for a short time and then we're gone. So then what manner of people should we be? What is that that lights your fire? And this is what I believe Jesus is imparting to his disciples here in some of the very last discourses that he gives them before he goes and dies on the cross, explaining to them, look, they focus their wrath upon me. I'm going away. They're going to take in turn, focus their wrath upon you. I'm telling these things to you in advance so you will remember them. But remember this, the Holy Spirit in your life will bring about that which is sin, that which is righteous, and that which is eternal reward. These things are the balance that we need, friends. This is what's lacking in our society today. In a society that says, whatever feels good, do it. Don't worry about the consequences. And we have people in our nation now in, 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 in percentages of, of double digits dying of AIDS because they believed the lie. Don't you know the Bible says the thief has come to kill and to steal and destroy? But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. God wants to give that to us. Don't settle for the copy. Don't settle for the imitation. Get the real thing from God. How do we know what that is? Well, Jesus said, I am the way in John 14, 6, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. God offers you his love forever. I like that. Are you found in him today? Can you actually say, well, Lord, you know, I realize if I follow my own pursuits, what I'm going to end up with is I may have some trophies in this life, but it will mean nothing in eternity or God, do I abandon these things that I think are important, do your thing, and have a reward that lasts forever? Say, well, how do I do that? That's, that's pretty neat talk, Mike. How do I do that? You ask God. Okay, God. You drive. And we hand them the wheel and we say, okay, Lord, open the doors of my life where you want me to go and close the doors in my life where you don't want me to go Move on my heart the things that I see that need to be done and close my eyes to the things that are foolish. God will do that. You don't know how God's going to use your hobbies. You don't know how God's going to use your attractions for his kingdom. He can and he does. We find that really being a, a Christian, God uses all the resources in our lives. You know, there's never been anybody on, on earth like you There'll never be anybody on earth like you ever again. You're unique. God made you for his purpose because he loves you. Now, when we realize we have a God of love, rather than an ogre that needs to be appeased, that's going to change the way we respond to him. Oh, God, I hope you don't kill me for this. Rather than God saying, I want to bless you. And you know, when we're about our daddy's business, any of you that have kids here, you know what I'm talking about. When you see your two kids fighting, scratching each other in the face, doing all kinds of crazy stuff, you get frustrated with them. But you know, when you walk in and you see them hugging each other and kissing each other, you go, ah, oh, now that's what I want to see. 
You see, we have a daddy of love. He wants to impart that love to every one of us. And this morning, I pray that that invisible Holy Spirit comes and resides in you so that you'll first of all know what sin is. You'll know, again, what righteousness is. And you'll know that you have an eternal reward in heaven. If you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you don't care about any of those things. Because those are the eye marks of what the Holy Spirit does in an individual's life. A person that's devoid of their lifestyle, a person that's devoid of what righteousness is, a person that doesn't care about eternity, the Holy Spirit is not operating there. So when people have called up before on the radio and said, I think I blasphemed the Holy Spirit, I say, you wouldn't be calling today if you had. You wouldn't care. Because the Holy Spirit is what speaks to us about things of sin, of righteousness, and eternity. See, that keeps us aligned. We're earthly beings, but God says, i got to transform you because you're not just an earthly being. You're an eternal being destined for heaven. If you haven't read the book of Philippians lately, you should. Because that's a really unique book on how Paul writes to this, jur- this church at Philippi and encourages them in their relationship with God. It's, it's, I call it God's happy book. But you might want to check that out. But he says, I write to you these things. And he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. You know, Paul would be thinking, I'm sure sometimes in prison, but he'd think about the people that he loved and it'd bring a smile to his face. You see, our, 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 our brains are powerful things. We can, we can focus on whatever we want to focus on. I just need God's help to help me shut off what I shouldn't be thinking about. The Bible says he'll do that. You see, he'll lead us in paths of righteousness. David said in Psalms 23, for his name's sake. Isn't it amazing? He leads me in paths of righteousness. One of the things the Holy Spirit does, number two, verse eight, chapter 16, he leads us in paths of righteousness That's what the Holy Spirit will do. But you know what the Bible says? For his name's sake. It's God's good pleasure to see you do well. I like that. I like that God wants to see us do good. It isn't that God's waiting. Okay, as soon as he he sends them out, I'll whack him with my, my eternal heavenly mallet. No, God doesn't do that. What God says is, I want to see him do good. Uh, For my name's sake, I'm going to, why? Because we are his representatives. It's God's good pleasure to put you on display. Something interesting came across this. The book of Job. You want to know something? You know, sometimes when we just read the Bible fast, we don't catch things. And I think sometimes it's the Holy Spirit that replays it in our brain and we pick it up. But you know what's really weird in the book of Job chapter 1? God is bragging to the angels about this human that loves him. I like that. God is bragging to the heavenly host. Have you considered my servant, Job? Wow, God gives him a thumbs up. And he brags about him to the heavenly host. Now, you say, well, why is that important? Because the angels, they know who God is. They see his glory. They see his majesty. They see him sitting on the throne. And Job, like you and me, we're down here digging in the dirt, trying to figure out life. And here's a guy like Job, maybe like you, I pray, me, that God looks at and says, 
They've never seen my majesty. They've never seen my glory. They've never, and what I mean by that, we see the mountains. I'm not talking about that. We see the sky, the clouds, all those things. But I'm saying the throne room of God, all power, all energy, all everything. And here's a guy like Job in the dirt serving God. Yeah, the angels, even some of them, and I'm not so sure it says the sons of God were there, speaking of the angels in that particular place in Scripture. They they saw all this stuff. And here's a person, and by the way, Lucifer was in the presence of God, and he rebelled against God. Here's a person that has never seen the majesty of God, digging in the dirt and still worshiping God anyway. I'm sure when God was bragging on Job, it was to the point where Satan says, yeah, but he does that because you gave him all these things. You take away his stuff. You take away his health. He'll curse you to your face. You know, God, he goes, okay, you can do that. Can't, can't kill him, but you can take away all that stuff. The book of Job unfolds for us this demonic attack on Job. And friends, I want to share something with you. I used to always read about the book of Job going, wow, I'm glad that was a long time ago. I'm not so sure that the book of Job isn't as relevant today in our lives as it was in Job's life in his day. I think God brags about you guys to the angels as well. And the devil goes, well, if you take away this in his life, take away that, he'll curse you. And and so God allows that. But you know what's really interesting? The last part of the book of Job speaks of how God put back into Job's life everything that was taken. Somebody said, well, what about his kids? Well, his kids didn't walk with God. They weren't under protection. That's why Job had to make intercession for his kids. If his kids were making intercession for themselves, they would have been recognized by God. God wouldn't allow anything to happen to him. But you know what? When you're a born again believer, we come under the protection of God. We are filled with his spirit. We know the difference between sin, righteousness, and eternity. That's what's so important. Live that way. This morning, if you're not a Christian, you are living outside of the purpose of God. You just are. And I will promise you something. You remember me saying this. Wherever you're at, in this room, listening across America, around the world, on the internet. You will never be happy until you accept Christ as your Savior. Because you're trying to find fulfillment in your own ideas of life, and you never will. It comes only in Jesus Christ, only in him, only in him. That's why Jesus died on the cross for us. To remove our sin, we would be freed up to be about our daddy's business. What a great thing that you, that you, me, we can be about God's eternity and God brags on us, brags on us to the angels. You don't think, as Jesus just said, They focus their wrath on me. But when I'm gone, they're going to focus their wrath on you. And I'm telling you this now to comfort you in the days to come. So when that happens to you, the Bible says, count it all joy when you're persecuted for his name's sake. Why is that? Shows your worth. Shows what you are. It tells the world that you have a different savior, a different reason to live than they live. If you're not a Christian this morning, wherever you're listening, I just want to encourage you to pray. We're going to pray right now and just be honest with God this morning. And so let's just pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I want you to come into my life today. And I want to repent of the foolish way that I have lived.
to make life mean something. So from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. His blood covered my sins. And so now, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And remind me each day to stay out of sin, to love righteousness, and the life to come. And so, Lord, I commit my life now into your hands. Empower me now to be about your business in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash it's time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time.